We are in Mark chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn. If you don't have a Bible, there's a bunch on the back table. You're welcome to help yourself to, uh, to those there. <clears throat> Mark chapter 13, and, and this is, we're looking at the passage, um, which is often called the, the Mount of Olives Discourse, the Olivet Discourse. This is um, just kind of a quick recap of where we've been. We've, we've gone through this Passion Week with Jesus and we've seen how, how He has interacted within the temple and, and the way that He has called the, the Pharisees and the Jewish people to account for the ways that they have allowed the message of, of grace that is contained within the Old Testament, the way that they have allowed that to become corrupted. And, and we see here at the beginning of chapter 13 that Jesus has declared the temple is done. No longer has any role to play because God is now with us. Emmanuel has come and dwells within the hearts of those who follow him. And so he has declared the end of the temple, declared the destruction of the temple. Um, and then, as they were sitting opposite on the Mount of Olives, they actually tell me, I haven't been there, but they say that, that by sitting on the Mount of Olives, you would have been able to actually look directly into the front entrance of the temple and see right into the holy place that was there. And so they're sitting there on the Mount of Olives, and, and four of the disciples gather around Jesus, Peter and Andrew and James and John, and they ask him, Lord, tell us, when will these things happen? And Jesus begins the discussion about how the end of the temple is going to happen, but also on a broader scale to talk about the day of the Lord when all things will be made right. And, and you remember that through all of this, Jesus' primary concern is stand firm, stay awake, you watch yourselves. Don't let anybody lead you astray. We see that in verse 5. Jesus says, see that no one leads you astray. Verse 9, you be on guard, watch yourselves. Verse 22, false Christs and false prophets will arise to lead astray. If possible, even the elect, the chosen ones. So be on your guard, you watch yourselves. And through that, he assured them that the Holy Spirit would be with them to be able to guide them to put on their lips the words that they would say when they would be brought in front of magistrates and courts and kings and governors, so that, that even in that place they would have an opportunity to bear witness. That through all of this, through all of the turmoil that they would be going through, that they wouldn't have to be the source of the wisdom of the words that they would say, but God would allow all of these things to happen to be able to be that testimony within their lives wherever they might go, whatever they might face. And he talked about how there will be this great turmoil. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about earthquakes and famines and how all these things must be in order for the sin of the world to be able to reach its full measure. 
but that God in His mercy and, and, and out of His compassion for His chosen ones, the elect, He will cut those days short. Talked about this great tribulation that will be like no other. Let's just read through that again. Verse 19, that's significant for the rest of the passages that we're looking at today. Verse 19 of chapter 13, it says, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those whom He chose, He has shortened those days. And verse 23, But be on your guard, for I have told you all these things beforehand. And that's where we pick it up. That that description, Jesus, as He's talking about that great tribulation that has never been and never will be again. He goes on to say, verse 24, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then He will send out the angels and gather His chosen ones, the elect, from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on your guard. You watch yourselves. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly, and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay awake.
When Jesus says, but in those days after that tribulation, he is, of course, talking about the end of time, the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, where he comes in power to judge all of the nations. The the, the Old Testament is full of prophecies of this great day of the Lord, which is, in one sense, it is a, a day of wonder, of beauty, of of joy and rejoicing because God has come to set creation free. No longer will sin hold us all, all creation in captivity. But He is coming as judge. It will be a day of great sorrow for those who have rejected a great of a day of great turmoil of of suffering the beginning of eternity separated from all of the goodness that is god after that day comes he talks about this this cataclysmic transformation that is happening. The sun is darkened. The moon stops giving its light. The stars fall from heaven and the powers in heaven are shaken. Now whether, whether we take this as a literal description of what will be happening, perhaps it's hard to understand stars falling from heaven um, knowing the nature of what stars are. But, but when we look back in the Old Testament, we look at back at the apocalyptic prophecies that, that are there, that are contained there. This is, uh, this is common language. This is things that, that, that all of those Jews would be very familiar with, whether it was uh, reading from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 13. There's a, a prophecy there that is uh, talking about the, the fall of Babylon, but it also has a description of this great day of the Lord where again it says, I'm just going to turn over to that, Isaiah chapter 13. You want to keep your finger in Mark if you're going to join me over there. But Isaiah chapter 13 and uh, starting at verse 10. Maybe we'll start at verse 9 just to take a bit of a run at it. It says, Behold, The day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation, to destroy its sinners from it. From the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising. The moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. And he goes on to talk about that day of the Lord. Uh, just over a, a, few, uh, a few chapters, uh, we can also see in, in Isaiah chapter 34. Uh, this again is, is a uh, part of a, a description, a, a prophecy against a a particular nation, the Edomites, uh, the descendants of Esau. Isaiah chapter 34, 
Uh, but within that, we, we see also this broader description of the description of the day of the Lord. Uh, let's read the first four verses of chapter 34. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction, has given them over for slaughter. The slain shall be cast out, and the the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood, and all the hosts of heaven shall rot away. The skies roll up like a scroll. All their host shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from a fig tree. Uh, This is common language that, that, that speaks of God's power and control over all of the elements of the universe. That everything is, as we understand, to be held together by Him. And, and in His anger, He is washing it all new. He is judging all of creation for the sin of humanity so that He can begin anew um, at the time of His judgment, at the time of His, of his coming. Uh, there, are, there are many other pa- passages throughout the Old Testament that we look at that talk about the sun darkening, the, the moon darkening, the, the stars falling. Uh, this is just a, that description of God's control and God's cataclysmic change, His, His rule. Can you imagine seeing that? The, the fear and terror that that would put within our hearts. But all of this is given for us to be able to know so that when that happens, we don't have to be afraid because we know that God's love for His chosen people, for His elect, those who have who have committed to follow after Jesus, who have received the grace that Jesus Christ has offered and, and, and made it their own and put their trust in Jesus Christ alone, that they will be set free finally. There are many that read these passages and, and the darkness of it puts great fear in their hearts, but we don't have to be there. This is supposed to bring great hope That's why Jesus is sharing this. But it's also a warning. Because in that, we must stay awake. We must be ready. Goes on to talk about how the Son of Man coming in the clouds. And this, of course, is is a clear allusion to uh, the Daniel 7 passage where uh, where Daniel uh, is given this vision of the Ancient of Days sitting in His throne room with the clouds of glory surrounding Him. And out of the clouds comes one who is like a son of man. And to Him is given the kingdom to have for a dominion over all of things, all things, all of creation, forever and ever. That it's a, a, a dominion and a kingdom that will not end. And it's a, a clear messianic picture of, of Christ coming to receive all. Uh, his glory to receive uh, the, 
the, the promise that God has created all of the world for this moment where all things will be made new. And so in that time, Christ will come through the clouds. The Son of Man uh, will, will descend. And, um, and then there is this wonderful passage about how He will send out His angels to gather from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, from the ends of heaven, gather His Electos, his chosen ones. This passage, these passages are the only place in Mark where, where Mark uses that term, the electos, uh, the chosen ones, the ones that God has selected for his own. And it is a, a term that the rest of the New Testament writers pick on, up on and, and uh, uh, Paul writes about the elect, uh, uh, John and, and Peter all include this understanding that, that before the foundation of the world, God has chosen his people, those who will receive him. And it is to give us great comfort because our salvation is not because of what we have done but because of what God has done for us, how He has chosen us to be His people. And in this time of great tribulation, in this time of great suffering and sorrow, the Son of Man will send out His angels to bring His chosen ones home so that they may be with Him for all of eternity. What a glorious hope. What a wonderful picture that we have of what Christ is doing for us. Uh, in, in the Old Testament prophecies, there's, there's uh, m- many, many places where it talks about how the Lord gathers Israel um, from their exile, from their exile throughout all of the nations, both Judah and its exile into Babylon and into the, into the world, but then also all of those ten tribes of the northern tribes that had been scattered after the, the exile uh, to Assyria, the, the, the uh, defeat that they had and how they have been, we now describe them as the, the ten lost tribes of Israel that we really don't know where they are because the way that Assyria did its uh, um, uh, um, conquering over peoples is they would then take those conquered peoples and spread them throughout the entire nation so that they wouldn't be able to to gather together as people to have the support of their uh, believing community, ripping away their religion. And so uh, these are the people of those northern tribes that, that, that God was disciplining for their sin and rebellion against Him have been spread out. And they will then all be redeemed, collected, brought back home, made new. But when we read here in the New Testament, there's a number of places where we discover that that God's promise is not just for those uh, chosen of Israel, but also all of the people of God. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter four verses fifteen. 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So it is a promise that is for all of God's people, not just for the chosen of Israel. We also read that in Revelation chapter 14. Revelations chapter 14, uh, verses 14, starting at verse 14. And John there, as he was on the island of Patmos, had this vision as he was worshiping in the Spirit. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man. Again, this allusion to Daniel 17, the same picture with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, <laughs> for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Christ bringing home His own. Those whom He had planted. Those whom He had chosen. These words do not need to bring terror or fear or anxiety. These words are given to us so that we have hope. To know that, that God has put boundaries on the sin of the world. That God has put boundaries on the suffering and sorrow that this world will experience. He knows exactly when and where and how He will accomplish these things. And He will be caring for His people. And when the time is right, He will gather all of His children, all of His chosen ones to Himself. Then he calls us to learn the lesson from the fig tree. He says, when you see these things, know that He is near at the very gates. What are these things that He is talking about? And, and there certainly is some debate. Um, some that, that would say that these things are a description of the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Um, there are reasons why that might make sense. Um, but, but I think probably much more, uh, much more uh, uh, helpful for us are that these things are this great tribulation. When we see this great sorrow, when we see the abomination of desolation standing in the place where he ought not to be, as we read 
earlier in verse 14 of chapter 13. That when we see these things, know that Christ is near. Because in that moment, we will need to know that Christ is near because things will look bleak. The world will be on their way to hell in a handbasket. And I know that for many of us, it's looking like that already. But the day is not yet. <laughs> but when we keep our eyes open and when we see that thing, and, and, and as we talked about when we looked at uh, this abomination of desolation, what exactly is that? This is where Mark puts this editor's inclusion that I think helps us to know that we can't know that until it actually happens. When he says, uh, verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand. That means the one who is in the Word, who is reading the Word and sees that happening, whatever that might be, and we talked about how it looked. You know, there's been a number of times where there have been foreshadowing of that. Those that were trying to establish uh, a, a secular or a pagan presence within the temple. Um, it, will, it will certainly have something to do with the temple, whether there actually is a temple there or whether it is just on the temple mount. Um, but there will be no doubt in the minds of the followers, the ones who are reading the Word of God, who, who are listening for the Holy Spirit's leading, that He will make it clear to them that this is the time. And as we see that tribulation begin to sweep through our world, we can know that Christ is at the very gates. <laughs> we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to scrounge and try and uh, prep for the destruction of the world. We can trust that He is in control. We can know that He will care for His own. We can know that He will lead us and guide us and Holy Spirit will, will work in our lives so that even in those dark days, we will be a bright light shining. When you see these things, know that He is near, even at the gates. And then He once again reminds us, you do not know the hour. There, there have been many who have looked at these passages and and determine that they need to be able to figure out who the abomination of desolation is, that they need to know when all of these things will take place, that what are the, the, the events in the world that will be happening that will, will be the telltale signs that this is all going, going to happen. That is not what we are called to focus on. And Jesus has made it clear through this entire discourse that you will not know. And if anybody tells you that they do know, you can be sure it's not when they say it is. 
That's when I was a kid, I always thought, if everybody picked a day that we would say Christ was coming back on that day, we could get the whole calendar covered and Jesus would never come back and I could get married and all the other important things in life would be able to happen. That's really bad theology, but, but look, I'm here, right? <laughs> but no one can know the day. This is a, a, a troubling thing that Jesus says that not even the Son knows. And that puts our minds in a bit of a spin of our understanding of the divine nature of Jesus Christ and, and all of that. But, but we understand that, that within the hierarchy of the, of the Trinity, that it is God the Father who delegates. He is the one who has sent the Son. And He will tell His Son when it is the right time for Him to go and receive His bride to Himself. So we can know that God has it timed out perfectly. And we can trust. We don't have to spend our time trying to count out dates and trying to figure out years and weeks and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Jesus' point through this whole thing is stay awake. What does that mean? What is he saying? He, he wants us to keep watch. To be keeping our eyes fixed on him. Listening and depending on him to guide us through all of the, uh, the ins and outs and the uncertainties and the, 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 the whirlwinds of life. It, it means keeping ourselves firmly grounded in the word of God listening for His voice to speak to us here. That we are in a constant, uh, constant place of prayer, an attitude of prayer where we are listening for the Holy Spirit, recognizing that, that He has a plan and a purpose for us. And that just like Jesus, who did nothing that He wasn't commanded to by the Father, He said nothing that He wasn't, didn't hear from His Father, we too need to live and walk in that kind of a, a, an absolute dependence on God. Stay awake. Lest the Master return and find you sleeping. Kind of ironic words, knowing what's coming up in just a couple of chapters or a couple of verses where the disciples who were there listening to Jesus saying, stay awake, and still they fell asleep. Because it's hard. Because when we try and stay awake on our own, we will fail. That's why we need to keep our eyes focused on God. We need to be listening to the Spirit. We need to be giving ourselves into His hands on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis so that we can be ready for when He puts us in a place to give testimony, to bear witness of His truth in the world. It is so easy for us 
to get distracted. I think some people fall asleep trying to figure out when and how this all is going to be happening. That they make that so much of their focus that they actually miss what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do in this moment right now. They are so enamored by understanding end times that they miss the now. But we get distracted by all kinds of things. There are all kinds of pleasures that that, that grab at our hearts here in this world. So many, so many activities and things, good things, good things. I, I think sometimes our, 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 our focus, our priority on family can actually get in the way of us listening to the Spirit. We're so focused on, on, on spending time with family and all, and again, good things, right? Necessary things, things that God calls us to. But when that becomes a priority over my walk with Christ, it gets in the way. We get drawn into into conversations, into 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 priorities, uh, sports. We get drawn into gardening. We get drawn into all kinds of other things that would take our eyes off Christ. And we need to listen to these words. Did, did you notice it, it, if this would be a, a movie, Jesus would be talking to his disciples right at the end. And he says, what I say to you, he would then look directly into the camera. I say to all of you. Jesus is looking at you right now saying, stay awake. His words aren't just for those men at that time. It is for all of his chosen ones throughout the history of time, throughout the history of his church, calling us, don't get wrapped up in all these other things. Stay awake. Listen for the Spirit and keep doing the task to which He has called you to. Whatever He's put in your hands to do, do it with your whole heart. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank You for these words of encouragement to us. Thank you for the great hope that we can have to know that, 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 that the Father has a defined time and boundaries for the sin of this world. And that in His perfect time and in His perfect way, He will rescue each and every one of us. Whatever that looks like. And so we can trust, even in dark days, even in, in, in in terrible persecution, even in great sorrow and sadness, that we can find in you hope, we can find in you assurance and strength.
So Lord, help us to stay awake. Help us to remember what it is that you have called us to. Help us to remember to keep busy on the things that that are a priority for you, and not just our own agenda. Because, Lord, there are so many that are walking around us today who are destined for destruction. They are held captive in the deceptions of this world. And they need the light of your love and your truth to shine into their lives. And you have called us to be that light. So we pray that you would help us to stay awake so that that those that you have called us to be a witness to that they would hear that word and that they would discover the wonder of being adopted into your family. Lord, I want to pray for the one that's here this morning whose heart is is gripped with anxiety and fear, hearing the, the prophetic word of what will happen, of what the days ahead will look like. Father, would you help them to discover uh, that, that in your words there is peace, that there is calm, that there is assurance and strength. Would you set them free from that fear that would grip them and instead uh, help them to focus their eyes on you and to find that trust that comes in walking with you no matter what goes on around us, that they would be built on that firm foundation of your word. (laughs) Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will stand forever. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.